0: Sports Talk Chicago. Here with John's Glow, John Meadows, directing and producing. Hanging here with us, contribute to the conversation, comment on our live feeds, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook at Sports Talk Chicago. Well, oh, Cactus League baseball spring training is about to end for the major leagues, which means it's time to preview the Cubs and White Sox season. We do this every year. Uh, this year might be a little bit different for both teams. We're going to start with the Chicago Cubs. I have to say, and This is me talking, which I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but there could be some room for optimism with this Cubs team. As crazy as that sounds, (laughs) that's the case. There could be some room for optimism with this Cubs team. And that's my opening for this. The Cubs' starting rotation is surprisingly as solid as a rock. (laughs) They're going to be looking so good starting rotation-wise. They have Marcus Stroman. Had a great year last season. Kyle Hendricks, who's eh, someone you have to worry about. Drew Smiley. Jamison Tyone, who's a great three or four. Justin Steele's going to be in the mix. Keegan Thompson's going to be in the mix. And Hayden Wisneski, who was just named the Cubs fifth starter. And Hayden last year had a very good rookie season. Spring training, 3-1 with a 2.12 ERA as well and five starts. Last year, 2.18 ERA in six starts. Cubs' starting rotation is actually one of the best young rotations in all of baseball. And I will say this, too. It's so funny. Theo Epstein could never develop a starting pitcher. Every year, there were signings to fill up the stopgaps in the Cubs' rotation. But ever since he left, I have to say, the Cubs have done a great job at home-growing starting pitchers. They really have. Justin Steele has looked solid. Hayden Wisneski, who's going to be the fifth starter, is, I think, poised for a breakout season. They've still spent some money. Keegan Thompson's been pretty good. He'll be in a long relief slash swingman role to enter the year. And Marcus Stroman, on a pretty decently team-friendly contract, had a good year last year. Drew Smiley did well last year. Jamison Tyone had about a four-yard run, won 14 games last year in New York. This Cubs rotation is very solid. If Everybody plays up to their potential. They're going to have a great five- to even seven-man rotation if you count swing guys and guys who could start when needed. a Suzuki is going to be hurt to start off this year, but he's starting to hit home runs in batting practice, which is exciting. Cubs have Jan Gomes behind the plate. They have Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini at first base slash DH. The middle of their infield is so exciting. Nico Horner. Dansby Swanson. You have Christopher Morrell, who could also play up the middle. And then Nick Madrigal, who's supposed to start at third base. Along with Patrick Wisdom, who's going to be in the mix. The Cubs actually have some good hitting. Outfield's going to be Ian Happ. Cody Bellinger, who I'm a little bit worried about. And Seah Suzuki as well, assuming he's going to be healthy. This team reminds me a lot of last year's team. And last year I said the Cubs could be a 500 team. And here's why. They had so many veteran guys who, if they played to their potential, they could have gone 500. And I'm going to say the same this year. If everybody, if everybody plays according to their potential, everybody on this team plays at the height of their career. If they play near their prime, this Cubs team could win 87 games and clinch a wild card berth. If everybody plays according to their potential, this Cubs team could would be in the wild card game or series. It could happen. They could win 87, 88 games and sneak their way in. I see no reason why not. Their pitching is going to be solid, assuming everybody stays healthy and pitches up to their standards. And their offense is actually pretty good. Their lineup is actually pretty solid. Nice mix of power and speed and contact. They're not going to hit for high average, but they're going to hit home runs and they're going to find a way to get on base. This Cubs team could win 87 or 88 games if healthy. I think overall, don't, because there will be injuries, there will be disappointments, there will be struggles. The Cubs are going to win 82 games. 82 games in 2023. Now, you can hold me to that prediction now. And I think that's really conservative on my part because I'm expecting some sort of catastrophe to him. Maybe Cody Bellinger is going to be optioned to uh, minor league baseball. I'm just kidding, but... Maybe he'll hit 0-82, like almost last year with the Dodgers. Maybe guys will get hurt. There are going to be problems. Maybe the rotation doesn't perform like it did last year. So many things could go wrong. But on a serious note, this Cubs team at its peak could win 88 games and clinch a wild card spot. But officially, I'm going to say 82 wins, 82 and 80, encouraging season. And if they go 82 and 80 this year, next year we could expect a playoff berth. I just want to say this about the Cubs too. Everybody got on the Cubs and the Ricketts family for not spending money and trading away Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez back in 2019. Wilson Contreras isn't back either. But I have to say, they've done an outstanding job at minimizing what could have been a long rebuild. Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer came into power in 2012-2013 with the Cubs, and it took them till 2016 to win a World Series. 2020, they won the division and the COVID-shortened year. 2021 was a disaster. and Last year was encouraging near the end. It can only take the Cubs two to three years to be back in playoff form versus five or six with Theo and company at first because they inherited a horrible situation. We have to give praise to Jed Hoyer and company for building up this Cubs team to be so good so quick. I really feel like there hasn't been enough praise for him and what he's done. Everybody likes to talk about Theo Epstein. Well, Theo Epstein left his team in shambles. Now he's sitting here shilling for baseball, talking about all these fun new rule changes, which we'll get to that later. But Theo left his team in shambles. Cubs had no pitching. They kept all their core. And he forced his friend, apparently, Jed Hoyer, to trade away everybody and take the blame for everything. What a friend that is, huh? If that was my friend, I'd say, you're not my friend anymore. <laughs> if my friend was running a baseball team and he said, see ya, I'm out of here, and then six months later I was forced to trade away everybody and everyone was going to point the blame on me, I'd say, you're not my friend anymore. But that's what happened with Dio and Jed Hoyer. No one says anything about it. I'm going to say something about it. And Jed, with his back against the wall, with everybody coming after him, has actually turned this team into a competitive team within two years by himself. That's impressive. No one's talking about it. No one's giving him the praise that he deserves. He's done a great job. We're talking about all these players who we didn't even hear of two years ago. Wisniewski, Justin Steele, Adrian Sampson, who did well, we got optioned to AAA. He could be a swingman too. Javier Assad. All these young, bright, talented pitchers who've already proven themselves to an extent at the major league level. That was Jed Hoyer doing all that work. Jed Hoyer making sure that this rotation could be good in the future. It was Jed Hoyer who broke the mold about the Cubs not being able to develop a starting pitcher, not Theo Epstein. He has not gotten enough praise for the job he's done in turning this team around within two to three years. It took Theo six it's taken Jed 2-3. to three. They're going to be a 500 team this year at minimum. He signed Dansby Swanson. I don't like the move fully, but he made a big move, made a big splash. He has Nico Horner at second base. He has Ian Hap still in the mix coming off a career year. Cody Bellinger is on the team for a one-year $20 million deal. They have a couple of first basemen. They have DHs galore. They have some nice bats. They have young players who may have to ride the bench this year because they're so talented, like Christopher Morrell. Nick Madrigal, to an extent. Jed Hoyer has done such a great job and does not get enough praise for it. So I'm here to praise him today. I'm here to say that the Cubs have done a good job in executing this rebuild, and they're not getting enough credit for doing it. They're not going to be a World Series winner this year, maybe not even next year. They're not going to be maybe even a playoff team this year, although that could be their ceiling. But they're going to be encouraging. And we're going to see a lot of fun baseball to them in 2023, I think. It's not going to be a 70-win season or a 100-loss season. I think the Cubs could win 82 games conservatively with their ceiling being 88 in a wild-card spot. There's no reason why not. There's a lot of talent on this team. Money has been spent. Investments have been made. And it's only going to get better. Next year, there's going to be more free agents out there. There's going to be more of an opportunity to spend. More players are going to come up from AAA, AA, single A to the major leagues. We have to give Jed Hoyer credit for turning this Cubs team from a lapping stock and from him getting all the blame to now a competent baseball team with a bright future. I would have been argued today, and I'm not even a Cubs fan, the Cubs have a brighter future right now than the White Sox. They do. The White Sox were disappointing last year, and they should have been good. The White Sox have a lot to prove this year. They have a chip on their shoulder, and if they don't perform this year, there could be another rebuild on the south side. The Cubs are playing with house money and have absolutely nothing to lose. If they go 500 this year, it's going to be a huge success, and it could propel them into real success come 2024. The Cubs are just starting. Well, the White Sox already, even though their window should have been five to seven years, is kind of going down. The Cubs are in a way better position today than the White Sox, and only time will tell if their investments are going to pay off, but I'll tell you right now, praise to Jed Hoyer. And I hope we see more of that during this season. Everybody's forgetting. Everybody's pissed at Jad for COVID and not spending money and trading away this core. Tell you what, another news flash the core needed to be traded. The Cubs were actually losing games because of them. Because they all had World Series hangover and could never snap out of it. And just to let you know, this core that everybody loves to talk about is not performing in their own right. Anthony Rizzo had a decent year last year, but at 226. career low batting average, had enough home runs to justify a good season. Chris Bryant barely played last year, about 30 games. What a surprise. And Javier Baez continued to be Javier Baez, had an OPS around 700, had an OPS plus around 100. He was a league average hitter last season after getting paid tons of money by Detroit to do absolutely nothing and to strike out at record rates personally for him. Javi Baez has still not learned how to lay off the low and outside fastball. Still, this is like year 10 for him in baseball. My goodness. So we want to sit here and lament over the corn, wonder about the World Series and all these great players. Well, guess what? They were forcing the Cubs to lose, and they were actually stagnating the Cubs They forced the Cubs not to grow, not to get better, not to be in a situation in which they are today. The trades needed to happen for the Cubs to improve and be where they are today. And Jed Hoyer is the reason why we sit here today and talk about it. Just two years ago, I could go and look on Twitter, all the tweets of people saying, yep, you Jed Hoyer. What a horrible move. You suck. Theo was better than you. Well, guess what? Look at the Cubs today. Look at where they stand today. I said from two years ago, y'all need to be patient. We all need to trust in a mini-rebuild to a major rebuild because the Cubs need it. And now we're sitting here talking about players that we had no idea who they were a couple of years ago. Nobody knew who Adrian Sampson was two years ago. Nobody knew who Javier Assad was two years ago. Come on. And if you did, you're lying. Nobody knew Justin Steele two years ago. And yet, here we are today with three or four young pitchers that are controllable who could be contributing major stuff to this Cubs rotation. They signed Dansby Swanson. Christopher Morrell has been an aberration. He's been very good. There are some good things coming from these young Cubs players. All of that should be attributed to Jed Hoyer. So, as I sit here and watch what the Cubs do in 2023, we're going to follow it pretty closely, but... If they succeed in any way, I advise all of you, remember who started the rebuild. Remember who made the tough decision to stick with this team and not leave and abandon them. Theo abandoned this team when they needed him most. Jed stuck with it, took all the abuse and criticism that came along with it, and turned this team into a brand new ball club, a revitalized ball club, a a rebranded ball club that's going to be good now. Thank you, Jed Hoyer. And that's my Cubs season preview. Jed does deserve a lot of respect, says David. Mike Ross says that Suzuki is hitting well. He's going to have a rehab assignment soon. That's right, Mike. And hope Cody Bellinger returns back to MVP form. <laughs> I doubt that. I like Cody Bellinger, but um, I did not like that signing. But hey, if he does, again, Jed Hoyer... Looking like a genius. So I guess it was worth giving him a one-year deal as a flyer and seeing if he returned to MVP form. If he does, that's a huge pickup for the Cubs. But I don't see it happening. That's just me.